Welcome to another episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in today's episode, we will be discussing how to be more intentional with your career. And joining me on this episode to discuss this topic is AJ Vaughn. A little bit about AJ before we get into the discussion. He is currently a founder, startup advisor, executive, and proud son. His rise within the world of HR and entrepreneurship is one that is definitely not typical, but his focus and dedication to putting employees first drives him to help forever change the world of work. AJ is currently working on a brand that will hopefully forever change the world of work, the E1B2 Collective, which is a collective of brands and practitioners designed to make substantial employee experience within the world of startups and small brands. Now let's hop into my discussion with AJ on how to be more intentional with your career. Morning, AJ. How are you? Good. How was your weekend? Things were pretty good. I uh, had the house to myself this weekend, so I was hanging out. Oh, nice. What'd you end up doing? Working a lot, had a couple drinks, and played with my dog a bit. So it was, it was, a, nice, it was a nice weekend. Nice. So speaking of work, one of the big issues that I believe is going on in the workplace, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that employees are not taking charge of their careers from an assertiveness perspective. What's your thoughts on that? I would have to agree to that. If you go date back to the 1960s, 70s until now, I think we're taught to appreciate the fact that we have a job and to to kind of fit in where we where we can fit in. And I think the also the, the 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 dynamic between a leader and an employee has always been an interesting one. But now I think I think the tide has shifted a bit, right? I mean, with the Ubers of the world and the DoorDashes of the world and the Ebays of the world, I mean, and there's so many other kind of smaller startup type companies where, you know, Poshmark, I mean, there's so many different avenues where, you know, we don't have to necessarily rely on the organizations to make an income. And so, yeah, I think it's changed a lot. And I think um, historically, We've been uh, we've been mentally designed to to care about our boss before we care about ourselves, which I think needs to change. And to add to that, in the seventies, eighties, side hustles weren't existence. Like there's, it was never really thought of. You did your nine to five. You worked at this company for multiple years, and then you would retire. Obviously, things have changed. Companies are working more lean, so. If things are working out, they are more likely to lay you off. But with the gig economy rampant in the past few years or even this past decade, employees, professionals have more options to make additional income. So they're not fully reliant on the nine to five. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're I think they're not reliant on any of those things. I think that at the end of the day, the, the dynamic between the employee and the employer has begun to shift a little bit, but the employees need to wake up and, and, and recognize that it, it has shifted overall. And yeah, so I think that's right. I think at the end of the day, employees need to realize, and my mom is, she, you know, she's doing Instacart and because she was laid off three different times within COVID, right? And I explained to her, I said, no longer do I want you to be in the position to have to to have to wait or rely on an organization to make income. Yes, the the country's in a really bad state right now, but there's money out there to be made. And so I know her confidence is picking up a little bit knowing that. And then you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, there are there are a lot of other factors outside of just the money thing 
of why I want to see the dynamic shift a little bit as well. And the thing I've noticed in the workplace is that it seems awkward calling your boss your boss. Now people say, oh, it's my manager. And then from a manager perspective, people don't really say, oh, my employee, they say my team member. So it's kind of shifted more into a collaboration instead of I'm above you, right? I think on the surface, and this is where some people might get upset with me. You know, this is what I think. I think companies are getting a lot better at creating team vibes and good energy on surface aka how they communicate right so they're not they're no longer screaming or cursing at their direct reports and and so forth but the the processes internally i have not seen them shift enough i have not seen the the programs the processes the ways of working the ways of actually leading and collaborating with your with your employees i haven't seen that shift enough day to day. I've seen it shift at a macro level where there's one-off programs and one-off situations, but day to day operationally, I haven't seen that shift enough. And so I always compare it to like a relationship where, you know, your significant other is doing something wrong. You know, you always say, hey, you may be able to change one time, but it's going to take a few more times and a few more consistencies to show me that you're really changing. And so that's what I want to start seeing more from companies. And what's your thoughts on Working cross-functionally, just in the past decade, I've seen a lot of job ads saying that they want someone to work effectively with cross-functional teams. Is this more apparent now or has it always been that way? I'm not too sure. You know, I'm and and I I don't like to BS on answers that I don't necessarily have. So for those that are listening, I'm I'm 31. So a couple things. Number one, never really had too many jobs. And I definitely didn't have a job in the 80s or even the early 90s. So I can't speak to the past, but what I can speak to is, you know, cross-functional teams and work is is a real thing and it's a good thing and it's needed. So I know that wasn't a great answer, but that's my authentic reaction to that. Let's start from the beginning in terms of building a good relationship with your boss. So let's say you get hired as a marketing specialist and your boss is the marketing manager. How do you set expectations with your boss from the beginning to ensure that you do get that work-life balance? Okay, so, and and this is, I promise you, this is not a full plug yet because it's not built fully out yet. This is something I did for myself. So I'll walk you through exactly what I did because this is where this pitching you to come on here, this is where this all came from. About five and a half years ago, I went from being an entrepreneur, right? So I'm 31. I was an entrepreneur from 19 to about 26. And so five and a half years ago, I decided to become ahead of people. I said, that's what I want to do. I have a very unique skill set. I have a very unique background. So when I walked into that organization, I put together, Max, what I call a beyond resume. And so I'm not going to, there's about 18 different categories within it. I'm not going to give you everything. That's too much. But I'll give you a few. Number one, my contextual financial needs. What I'm starting to see a little bit more is organizations putting together like a band where like there's a range that's a little bit more contextual to the employee's needs, skills, level, desires, et cetera. My life, my world looks a, looks a lot different than others. My mother relies on me at the time and still to this day, my girlfriend was going through school. So I, I told her that she did not need to go to work consistently enough where the revenue, you know, so my contextual life needed to be respected. And I needed to find a company that would match that. So that's just at a financial level. And that's not really unheard of. Let me get some some things that are a little bit out of the box. My workflow style. 
I outlined for my former employer very clearly of the ways that I like to work down to the T, my workflow, how I actually go about thinking of a task, working on a task, completing a task, cross-functionally, siloed, whatever you want to call it. Here are the different types of projects that I work best in. I talked to him about my career map, right? So a lot of, you know, a lot of applicants explain to people, this is where I want to go. I didn't say this is where I want to go. I said, this is where I have to go, where I need to go. And this is exactly what you as an organization and you as a leader can do for me to help me get to that goal. And then I broke that down to my learning and development needs. So here's the things that I need day to day around learning and development that are going to help me reach those goals. And then I'll give you one more. Real life support. I believe every 90 to 120 days, and Max, tell me if this is right or wrong, there's something that is happening in your life emotionally or family-wise or, or personal-wise or, or you know, career ambition-wise that may adjust the way that you approach life one day. So you may wake up on a Wednesday afternoon because something is occurring in your life and you may need to call out. You, you may need to have a flexible workday, aka pre-COVID, where I need to work home because I need to attend to my child. Right? So the things that are happening in COVID now and how employees are really being, or companies are being really flexible with employees, I tried to push for that back then and saying, hey, here's my real life circumstances, and here are going to be the moments and the time, so I need to see policies that can reflect and, and that can appreciate my flexibility of my life. And so I'll, I'll pause there because I'm sure you have questions, but that was, so I put together, again, this thing called Beyond Resume. I thought through and wrote down clearly the answers to some of those categories I just listed off. And then I presented that in my very first interview. I didn't wait to the second, the third, the fourth, because just like companies don't want to waste time, Max, I don't want to waste time either. So I'll pause there, though. So you laid down your expectations right at the interview. A lot of candidates are wary of being that aggressive during the interview process because it might turn the hiring manager employer off. What's your thoughts on that? You want them to be turned off. So follow me here. And Max, you probably know this because you sat on the other side of the shoe. I've hired a few hundred people in my life. I've partnered with another 50 or 60 different people in my life. And I've worked with many organizations that I'm sure you have as well. So you know the other side of this coin. Companies actually prefer if an applicant pretty much bows out of the race, because that means they're not bought in, they're not engaged, they're not the right fit. We want that as employers. I want as many people as possible. If I have 50 candidates, I want 47 of them them to say it's not a good fit so I can find the remaining three because I know those individuals are going to be super engaged, super excited. I want the same out of a company. And so doing that process, Max, I had like seven different companies laugh me out of the room and I was happy. I walked out of the door with a smile on my face because I knew that was not going to be the place for me anyway. Because if I tried to BS them or if I tried to ignore the fact that they ignored my needs, I was going to get into an organization and not be happy. And so this, for me, it comes down to mental, you know, mental clarity, mental awareness, like mental stability, happiness. And so I... I eventually stumbled upon a company that didn't laugh me out of the room that actually said, this is super attractive, AJ. And I said, what's attractive? They said, I've never had someone this intentional 
and this clear. And, and I know I'm ranting here, but let me give you a small little caveat. My partners have been giving me a, a little bit of an advice when I give these type of talks or these type of tips. The only reason I was able to do this, Max, is because I was willing to do the following. I was willing to eat crow. I was willing to be patient. I was willing to bust tables, to drive DoorDash, to drive Uber, to do Instacart, eBay, AKA, I was willing to go deep into the gig economy to make sure food was on the table, girlfriend was in school, money was in my mom's pocket, money was in my pocket, rent was paid. A lot of people, and you know this, Max, a lot of people aren't willing to, to fight for their future. They're willing, they're, they, they, they would much rather sacrifice happiness for short-term results, right? And so I was willing to go through that process for an entire year knowing that my day-to-day life was going to be taken care of financially. Let's go back for a sec. You said you had multiple companies laugh you out of the room when you proposed your system. Can you tell me one of these stories in terms of how they laughed you out of the room? Yeah, they essentially had a smirk on their face. And it's a really simple, easy, quick story. They had a smirk on their face and they said, these requests are borderline disrespectful and ridiculous. And we don't think you'd be a good fit here. That was the end of it. Well, that's a, that's a lot better than ghosting because at least you got an answer right then and there. Yeah. Now, now remember, right? So they couldn't ghost me because this was in person. So I don't present any of this information. It's like get into the actual interview. So I go through the same process like everyone else. I'll apply online. I'll connect with somebody on LinkedIn and, you know, be professional and polite. I don't present this information until I'm sitting down looking you dead in your eyes. <laughs> and then what I do, Max, is I say, hey, you know, I know this is a little bit, little bit, you know, unconventional here, but do you have an extra 15 minutes? Because typically, and you know this, the hiring managers, they typically have a time window. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I'm like, thank you. I put together this thing I call Beyond Resume. I know it's a bit odd. I know it's a bit weird out of the box, but I want to I walk you through it, if you don't mind. And that's when Max, that's when their eyes kind of light up like, you're going to walk me through something? No, I'm supposed to be walking you through something. You're supposed to be excited for the opportunity to work here. And so that's how that usually goes. Got it. And what are the uh, long-term consequences of you not going for what you want? So I, I know with COVID, a lot of people got laid off, so they just want that salary again. Mm. So what's the long-term consequences of you just taking a job, like saying, yes, I'm very interested, even though you really aren't, and compared to what you did where you outlined what you exactly want, you were very assertive, and you got laughed out of the room multiple times, but you had additional source of income, such as the gigs that you were doing via DoorDash, as an example, and then you were able to finally find what you want and a lot that aligned with your value. So what's the long-term consequences of someone just caving into a company and just saying yes to everything. Yeah, I mean, we, we can go right back to the Beyond Resume topic points, right? And I'll give you some tangible examples. You know, my one-on-one needs, right? And so my one-on-one needs is a category within Beyond Resume. That pretty much means what do I need day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, whatever the case is going to be, during a one-on-one from a development, learning and development, support, mentorship standpoint. Imagine if you don't outline that. Imagine if you don't have that. You may be walking into an organization where they don't support you. You don't have a one-on-one from your, with your manager ever, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. And when you do, maybe it's a standard BS thing where they're reading off of a questionnaire or they're even giving you a survey that they give everyone else. 
And then what that looks like is, and the consequence of that is, you're not being intentionally led. You you wake up and it's 18 months and you have no intentional support and direction of where you're going in your career. Now, a lot of people may hear this, Max, and say, well, that's on you as a professional to drive your own career. And I, and I agree with that. But on the flip side of it, we all need help. Last time I checked, Max, and I know this for myself, I've gotten nowhere without the support and the intentional direction of others. And so I believe that's the responsibility of an organization. I'll give you one more. Career map. Imagine if you're going into an organization that right now, the way that they're structured, they're not going to have any opportunities for you to map out your career and get where you want to go in your career until three years from now. I mean, you know this. Organizations on the back end, and this is another part of this, Max, that I try to divulge and explain to, to applicants. I like to show them what happens behind the scenes of an organization. Behind the scenes of new organization, we do a thing called a workforce plan. We know the opportunities that are going to be available. And you know that, Max, right? We know what's going to be available. And so going into the organization during the interview, companies all the time will say, hey, you know you know what, Max? There's so many opportunities here. The, the, the opportunity for growth is phenomenal. They may be telling you the truth. They may be lying to you. So if you don't put that intentional career mapping focus in place, and really get a really solid answer from them around if that is going to be a possibility here and what you're going to do to help me get there, you may wake up because you're comfortable and it's two and a half years and you haven't made any progression in your career from a, a functional, uh, you know, applicability stuff. Like you may make no progression in anything you're working on, your title, your finances, the, the tasks you're working on, your capability, the, the relationships. So, I don't know. There's a lot of negative that can occur. And look, I know me, you probably know this. I know tons of people that wake up and it's two, three, four, five, six, six years within an organization and they've been doing the same things day in and day out. And now they're beating themselves up because they're wondering how they got here. Oh, I agree with that. Again, it's always about being intentional with your career. Like, like every year, always evaluate, okay, am I happy here? What do I want to do next? Like you always want to have that proactive mindset, right? Yep. Great. And to add to what you said about the interview process, a lot of people don't do this. Like you've heard the saying, yes, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing the company. But many people don't want to do it because again, they're, they're scared, right? And a, a perfect example is generally a recruiter will ask you what your salary expectations are and people feel uncomfortable giving an answer because they don't want to be out of the running. But it goes back to what you said, right? be intentional with what you want so if you've done your due diligence and your research for that position for that industry in that region and you say and you know that that job pays 70k in that area they just say 70k like what, what's wrong with getting for what you want if you are reasonable with your expectations right exactly exactly and and, and again contextually give an answer that is going to fit your actual world so on the flip side of that max what i advise companies to do is that so there's a beyond resume, and then there's a thing that I have that's called a beyond brand. Now, we don't have to get into that because that's a whole other conversation maybe, but I have companies do the exact reverse of this. So I have companies outline where they are right now in the moment, and I have them articulate that to an employee as well. And so if you're stumbling across a company that maybe I worked with <laughs> or you know whatever the case is in an employee or an applicant rather that I worked with, what you will hopefully get is a situation where in the same interview, 
the company will present some data, the applicant will present data, and then you guys can figure out if you're a good match, and then you can figure out where each of you want to kind of give and give and take a little bit. But again, knowing me and you know the name of my company, Employees First, this beyond resume is a non-negotiable. And that's the key I want to put in there, Max. This isn't a nice to have. This isn't a maybe. Those things that I want you guys to put down, it's set in stone. Because what I mean by that, I'm being very serious. Because if you write this down, you know it's connected to your mental happiness. And that's the most important thing, your mental health. Because if you're not happy and you're not engaged, I mean, we all know the data now. There's a lot of bad that can happen when that when that occurs. Absolutely. And let's move forward in the conversation. Yeah. So you've you've done the beyond resume methodology to the hiring manager. They love it. You get hired and you, you set your expectations. Well, you already set your expectations in the interview process so they know what to expect. Yeah. So how do you make sure that the hiring manager and the employer deliver on what you've agreed to based off what you were proposing in the interview? Well, here, here's the here's the fun part. Now, for most people, it's not fun. Here's the fun part. Now, here's where the personal development Tony Robbins type vibe comes in. You have to be very comfortable with yourself around the following. I'll keep going back to this. Are you willing? Are you comfortable to DoorDash, to eBay, to gig economy, to, to Instacart, all the other things? I can tell you firsthand because I've done it at, during those periods and I see individuals around me doing it and I'm sure you have as well I know folks that have made four thousand five thousand six thousand dollars in one month doing these gig economy type things and the last time I checked if you're a husband and you have a wife that makes some sort of income as well you you should be able to survive now I say that because here's the important thing at the end of the day your goal as a human being until you get into a circumstance, that really fits your life, Max, should be to survive. Now, I know that's a little bit of a weird statement, but here, follow me here. Your goal, until you get into a perfect scenario that you are going to fight for, should be to survive. And so when you get into that moment, what I mean by that is, if you're inside of an organization and you're realizing that they have not met the contextual financial needs that they, that they promised you, they, they are not meeting and respecting your workflow needs, they are not meeting or respecting your day-to-day culture needs, your direct report expectations, your employee one-on-one needs. If you're, if you're not seeing those things, let's call within a 90-day period of time, 120-day period of time, then I need you guys to kick back that personal development gene, erase your ego, and go back to the basics and leave that organization. Now, I have to be cognizant that everyone has a different reality. So maybe you don't leave right away. Maybe you wait six months. Maybe you even wait a year because you got some things going on, kids, family, whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, I recommend that you leave at some point within an 18-month window if you're seeing what you presented is not showing up. Now, before you leave, though, now this is probably what you're asking me. What do you do, really? Well, you have conversations. You have a one-on-one. You have all this information written down already. Well, you should, right? And so you go to your hiring manager, you go to your direct report, you go to whoever and you say, I thought this was an expectation that we set. Am I doing everything that I, that I need to do to be a good employee here? And the answer hopefully should be yes. 
And then you ask them directly, well, I'm not seeing this. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that. When am I going to see those things come into fruition? And so that's kind of how I go about it. And, and uh, I will forever and always have that opinion. And I advise everyone else to as well. And I know it's a, I know it's a little bit aggressive and out of the box. And I know there's a lot of gray and contextual realities of how that can really show up. But at the end of the day, the end result is what I just outlined. In my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the biggest issue when it comes to employee-employer relationships is communication. So if things aren't going your way, it's usually a breakdown in communication. And if things are going well, then it's because you have a good communication system in place. Yes, that's exactly right. Fantastic. And let's say that you have developed that great relationship with your manager, you've aligned your expectations, and they're delivering. Obviously, now we are working in a very cross-functional society. So you'll be working with multiple teams in that company. So if you are in finance, you're most likely going to have to work with marketing and operations. And if you're in operations, you might have to work with marketing and various other teams. So how do you set boundaries for yourself when it comes to working with cross-functional teams? Because for example, those teams might ask you to do something that you're not comfortable with, or you don't have the time right now and they keep pushing you. But again, they're not your boss. So how do you make sure that you have that balance in your life in that uh, environment where you are able to deliver for these other teams, but you still are managing your day to day? I think it goes back down to the initial outlining of your workflow. So that's important. And then sticking to that, I think also the manager that you're led by when you come into the organization and they present you and introduce you into those teams they should be setting the standard. They should be setting the structure. They should be really helping you get introduced and get implemented into those teams and setting those boundaries and setting those guidelines and setting those expectations. And then if there's ever a moment where individuals that you're working with are not respecting your context that you clearly laid out when you first got hired, then that's something you just have to respectfully face and you have to deal with that circumstance. It may be uncomfortable, it may be a little bit odd or maybe a little bit out of the box, but it's just the reality, you know, because you know who you are and you know what you can do. That's, that's really going to be valuable to the team. Now, look, a lot of people may be hearing this and they may be thinking, look, you are trying to create very bougie, very selfish type employees here that only want to do what's best for them. That's not really what I'm saying. There are going to be times where you're uncomfortable. There are going to be times you're working, working in cross-functional teams where, you're going to do things that maybe is not exactly the best use of your time or not exactly in your skill set. And that's just part of the game. What I'm asking for is 70 to 80% of your time at an organization needs to be super selfish and super contextual to where you want to go long term. The saying goes, you have to be selfish with your time. And being assertive in the workplace is being selfish every time because you want to make sure that you maximize the time that you have at that company to ensure that your career goals are met. Exactly. Exactly. And going back to what you said about how you were trying to give more flexibility for employees in terms of work from home, even just a few years ago, like work from home was very taboo in, in work environments, especially in traditional corporate companies. If you say you want to work from home, they would look at you funny because it's just, it was just not unheard of. Like they expect you to be at the office nine to five, Monday to Friday. But now thanks to COVID, it, had, it actually forced employers to have to provide work from home because of, again, government regulations. They say, look, we have a virus going on. We don't want anybody in the office right now. So they ended up having to accommodate. 
And now a lot of these tech companies are actually saying, you know what, it's working well. So even when COVID is done with, we will let you work from anywhere. Or how should companies moving forward after the COVID ends in terms of providing great benefits for employees besides just the salary to ensure that they are happy with where they are and to make sure that they love the work they do to ensure higher retention at the company. Because one of the biggest expenses at companies right now is retaining clients because it's very expensive to hire new people because they have to train them and it could be up to six months to ramp them up. So what are your thoughts in terms of how employers should be more accommodating to employees in the future to ensure that they are happy with where they are so they end up sticking around? And again, this is not done and built yet. It should be in a couple months. So small little plug, but this is something that they can do manually. And I've seen a couple companies do something like this. They should create the company internal version of a beyond resume. And so my goal, Max, is to, to have employees stop creating this manually on their own. My goal is that a company will actually adjust the, the job posting, adjust the interview process to turn it on its turn it on its head and request and get a lot of this information from the applicants proactively. And so my goal and my hope moving forward in a in a post-COVID or I don't really think that will even be the case. So, and I just in a in a new world here. My goal is that organizations in the in the when when they're sending out a job post to these job boards trying to find someone. My goal is that they'll have like this tab that says, I don't even know what it's going to be called yet. Like you can tell, like I'm literally, I don't know exactly what the what the copy will say, but essentially it'll be like a link that an employee or an applicant rather will will click, and they'll jump into that portal, if you will, and all the categories that are within the Beyond Resume that we talked about today will be questions that the brand actually wants to proactively get from the employee. And then my hope is once they have that information, they'll have a more authentic conversation in the interview process. The brand will explain their Beyond Brand data to that applicant as well. And then if all goes well and that person is hired, my goal and my hope in a, in a in a new world here is that companies will take that beyond beyond resume data that they have now received from their applicants and they will use that to be very thoughtful about the onboarding to be very thoughtful about setting up their 306090 to be very thoughtful about how they explain this information to the team that this new hire will be working within the the manager that that new hire will be led by my goal is that it will completely reshape the way companies intentionally support an employee of one. That's the caveat. Not at a macro level, an employee of one. That's fantastic. And my final question for uh, this interview is, in in terms of the, the work you're doing, can you provide an example of what you've done with one of your clients in terms of how you were able to help them be more assertive and be more intentional with their career in order to get to where they want to go? I think I, I want to use me as an example uh, in my previous story. And then I think also in the Beyond Resume, when I got to that organization, it's something that I implemented. Now, I didn't get as far as I wanted to because I was furloughed. And and I know that was a five years later. And that's in a whole nother conversation. There was a lot of red tape and a lot of things that I was not happy about. But And so I wasn't able to create this thing that I'm talking about where like, the company actually has it a part of 
uh, again, the, the job posting or a questionnaire or when they go to, when an applicant goes to fill out the, um, the goes, I can't even find the word here. When they go to pretty much uh, apply to, for a job, I wasn't able to, to get that operationalized on, on the, on the technology side. But what I was able to do was once, or, you know, employees came into the company, what I, what I was able to do for about 15 or 20 employees at a very deep level. Now I did this at a macro level, but 15 employees at a very deep level, I was able to really help them cultivate their beyond resume, even once they got into the organization. And so I was able to really help them figure out what their own, you know, best workflow structure would be, what their own contextual financial needs were to be, and to bring those up when it was time for them to potentially get promoted. I was able to really help them figure out what their one-on-ones need, how they needed to be structured. I was able to help them figure out and explain their expectation to their direct report. I was able to really help about 15 or 20 core employees how to shift the employer-employee dynamic. And I'll explain to you why it was only 15 or 20 out of about 400 or so that I looked after over the five years of me being ahead of people. It was because exactly what you're talking about, Max, and this is going to be the reality. A lot of people are afraid to do what I'm asking. You know, there was a lot of times where I would present these type of conversations and a lot of, I would get a lot of head nodding. I would get a lot of, I would get a lot of BS if I'm being honest. And it's not that they wanted to be rude. And it's not that they wanted to ignore me. It was the fact that it's scary to be this intentional. It's scary to be that bold. So again, about 20 of those employees though, really took what I said seriously and really applied it. And they got tremendous results. Their happiness was up. Their engagement was up. Their dedication to the organization was up. And more importantly, their dedication and their intentionality to themselves increased as well. As the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Exactly, right? exactly. All the all the things that I'm building with these companies and these initiatives, man, are, are a little bit before my time. I will say that. I think these things will be the norm in 10 or 15 years, but I'm, I'm trying to do what I can now. Well, you're thinking ahead of the curve, right? You're trying to be futuristic. So uh, definitely uh, appreciate you trying to change the workplace for the better. And just speaking briefly about you being furloughed in your previous employer, again, you you did the gig stuff for a while. So when you got laid off, you say, hey, I guess return to this, right? You always have that backup plan. A lot of these people that have been laid off due to COVID, they might not have never done any gigs because let's say they've been at company for five to 10 years where gigging wasn't that apparent. But for you and your experience, you get before you got rejected multiple times because you were too assertive with your beyond resume approach, but you ended up finding an employer that valued what you were trying to do. And obviously with what happened with COVID, you had to do restructuring, but you always had that backup plan and say, hey, I can always do gig work to get money again, right? Yeah, I, I like to be transparent and I like to tell people all the time, you know, the reality. What happened exactly is the next day after I was furloughed, I went right back to it. So I started eBay hustling again. I started door dashing again. I started doing a lot of different things. And then what I also did, though, is I also decided to build all the companies that I'm talking about. So I decided to start the EOMB2 Collective and I started recruiting partners. And so I definitely did the gig economy to keep life afloat, but I started companies as well. And so... Yeah, I did. I did a lot of things to, to make sure that everything would be okay. That's great. And as the saying goes, you, you can't control what you can't control, right? You can't control what the employer wants to do with the company in terms of the teams, but you can't control your actions to get to what you want to do. So yeah, you can control 
getting laid off because of COVID because no one really expected that. But you were able to control your actions. And then again, you went back to gig economy and you started building companies. Exactly. Yep. So really appreciate the time, AJ. I think a lot of my audience will find your insights sort of be more sort of right from the interview process to being an employee at the company useful. So how can people reach you online to learn more about what you're doing as well as what is a project that you want my audience to know about? Yeah, so uh, I think for anyone that's maybe, you know, a manager or a founder or a leader of a company, I don't know how many of those you have, but the beyond brand execution is is out. That's a real thing. So I am accepting clients for that. You can find me at on LinkedIn at Anthony Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. The E1B2Collective.com is where you can just see all the macro information about the projects. And then as far as Beyond Resume, I am actively putting that together operationally. And I am right now entertaining conversations to walk some employees through what that looks like. And I'm building... So Beyond Resume actually sits under a brand that I have that's called Monday Anticipation. For the last seven, eight months, it's only been speaking events, but I'm now partnering with career coaches, resume writers, things of that nature to try to just bring another small little piece to the work that they're doing just to do my part. So that that's what that looks like. So if there's anybody that's a career coach or a resume writer that's out there listening. I have something that's already kind of created that maybe can be a plug and play to help clients as well. Maybe we can partner up. Thanks for sharing that, AJ. And again, really appreciate your time and sharing insights on being more assertive and intentional with your career. And best of luck with your projects. Thanks so much. You can definitely tell how passionate he is about making sure that professionals are working at places that they love. I want to take a few minutes right now to highlight some of the key points in my discussion with AJ that resonated with me the most. The first is if you really want to find the job that you want that aligns with your values, you do have to be a bit aggressive at the interview. And this is where asking important, sometimes tough questions to the interviewer to make sure that what they offer you is aligned to what you want is crucial into getting a job that you want. Many people don't want to upset the interviewer so they try to be a people pleaser. But what happens as AJ discussed in our discussion is you end up taking this job and it's supposed to be a stopgap to finding out what you really want and then you wake up three or four years later and you're still doing that same job, doing the same responsibilities and haven't grown. So you wanna be intentional in your career in terms of finding the right job right at the interview process. And if the interviewers don't like your aggressiveness, that's okay because it's better for you to get a no right then and there so you can focus on finding something that does align with your values as a professional to find work that you do enjoy. And although this might be uncomfortable for some, but if you want to have more leverage and more confidence in your job search, doing something in the gig economy to support your income for the time being is a good way to make sure that you don't fall for a job that is not right for you. Now, once you get that job that aligns with your values and career goals, this is where consistent communication with your manager is important. Yes, at the end of the day, your career goals, your personal growth falls on you, but you do need a supportive manager to help you get there. So this goes to being assertive and having constant communication with your manager to ensure that 
they are giving what they need to support you in order to achieve your goals, while in exchange, you are providing valuable expertise to help grow the company. So if they promise you a bunch of things and you aren't getting them, make sure you speak up, have a chat with your manager, let them know what's going on in terms of what was promised and that you're not getting some of it. Again, this is a very tough conversation sometimes, but if you really want to have a job that aligns with where you want to go, it's essential to have consistent communication with your manager. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode insightful and useful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. And you can also find me on LinkedIn where I post daily content on career advice, job search tips, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.